0: Hey, Bible Y'all. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Wednesday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. The big day is here. If you ain't got something halfway decent planned by now, fellas, I don't know what more I'm going to do for you. Oddly, February 14th is also national call in single day which sounds like they're saying, if you don't have some kind of significant other, there's no point in even getting up and going to work, which seems like an overreaction to me. My understanding is this holiday is much more popular since they changed the name to Call In Single from National Wallow in Self-Pity Day, which narrowly beat out Nobody Likes Me Day in the renaming drama. If you're not quite that far to the left on the Valentine Continuum, may I suggest International Quirky Alone Day, which it also is, and which is basically the same thing as Nobody Likes Me Day, but you're cool with it, like all the other days. To celebrate Quirky Alone Day, the calendar people suggest trying a new recipe. Just don't make too much. Or shop at a thrift store, cause why bother to dress nice if nobody likes you? Or go to a new part of town and be a tourist in your own city. Wander around aimlessly, basically, like a hobo in your thrift store clothes or throw a quirky alone party, which if anybody shows up, it's by definition not a quirky alone party. And it occurs to me that doing the opposite of all of that would go a long way toward not being alone, but nobody asked me. Or you could go to the total other end of the spectrum and instead of calling in single and partying by yourself, you could celebrate World Marriage Day, which it ain't, that was on Sunday. But like I keep saying, Big, healthy Christian families is what scares the B system the most. That's why you never see any on TV. Our reading for today is Exodus 37:1 through 38:31, Matthew 28, 1-20, Psalm 34, through 22 and Proverbs 9, 9-10. So if y'all are ready, and look, just cause the hands you got dealt has the quirky alone card in it, don't just rush out and get married to the first person comes along that can fog a mirror. Or what starts with a heart and a diamond might end with a club and a spade. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday on the 13th in the Old Testament, we read Exodus 35:10 through 36:38, And this starts out with God giving orders that everybody who knows how to make stuff is to get together and build a tabernacle. And then they go through a list of all the parts. And that's what they did. They brought all their raw materials, gold and jewels and linens and whatnot, and they donated it for the project. And the other day in the Bible, it mentioned in passing how Moses pitched the tabernacle and went in and communed with God. And according to the commentaries, those three chapters were probably a separate writing and just got included in the Septuagint at that point for some reason. But it's not in any kind of chronological order at that point. And the Septuagint was the Hebrew Old Testament translated into Greek about 300 years before Christ, or a little less, give or take. And I think I told y'all once before it was in Latin, but it was Greek. The word Septuagint is Latin for 70, because 70 guys worked on it, but the Septuagint itself was in Greek. And that's what the KJV was translated from, not the original Hebrew, which is important to keep in mind when reading the KJV. The original was in Hebrew, which was translated one time into Greek, and then translated again into King James English, and then rendered into formalized poetic language, which is the thing that I like about it, that it's poetry. But it ain't like all that don't make things harder. And what I always say is, if you're going to memorize scripture, memorize the King James, because why wouldn't you want to talk like that? But if you're doing Bible study, have a few translations on hand. Most of y'all are using Bible apps anyway, so it's not that hard. I say, for a study, you should have the King James, you should have an Amplified Bible, and then maybe like an ESV or NAS, and the ISV is supposed to be a good one, and the squaw likes the Young's Literal Translation. But anyway, in chapter 36, all the people brought all their stuff for the tabernacle, and they ended up donating too much, so Moses called it off. And the rest of the chapter is just a description of all the stuff they made.
1: You know, the Jews show us, time and time again, That the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. They wanted to obey God. They gave generously when called upon, but the flesh is weak. And we know on this side of the cross that the flesh must be crucified. The flesh, our flesh, will make us friends with the world.
0: And then in the New Testament, we read Matthew 27, 32 through 66. And Jesus had just got scourged, which means he's in really, really bad shape. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and they compelled him to bear his cross, which was Roman law. If somebody was getting crucified, they had to carry their own cross from the courthouse or whatever up to the top of the hill where they executed you. And there's some disagreement on whether it was the whole cross or just the cross piece, what they call the patibulum. I think it was just the patibulum because a cross was actually kind of an involved thing and big and heavy. But anyway, if the condemned was too weak to carry his cross, the Romans would just grab somebody from the crowd and make them do it. So that's what happened here. They get him up there, and the Romans give him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And he tasted it, but wouldn't drink it. And Mark says that they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh. And that both means the same thing. Myrrh and gall were bitter. And the word myrrh was used colloquial to mean anything bitter. But what was happening was they were trying to give him some painkiller which is why he refused it. The Barnes commentary says, His sorrows were necessary for the work of the atonement, and he gave himself up to the unmitigated sufferings of the cross. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. And the crowd mocked him, even the two thieves he was crucified between. One of those thieves changed his mind though, but Matthew doesn't discuss that. And then it says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness all over the land unto the ninth hour. And that is from our 12 o'clock. Because the Jews divided their day into 12 hours, beginning to count at sunrise. So from noon to three. Which is when Jesus cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Which is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then somebody gave him a sponge full of vinegar with no myrrh, and he drank that. And then cried out again and died. And when he did, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves, and went into the holy city, and everybody saw him. And when the centurion and them that was with him saw the things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. Imagine if that's how you came to faith. Anyway, that evening, Joseph of Arimathea, who was one of the disciples, sort of, went and claimed the body and buried it in his own tomb and rolled a huge stone over it. The next day, the Pharisees are like, hey, Pilate, we remember that the deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days, I will rise again. And what Pilate did not say was, oh, really? So you knew what he meant when he said that about the temple and you were lying on him at trial. You knew he was speaking figuratively and really meant his own body and not the temple to which they would answer. We won, didn't we? Just like Harry Reid said that time. And the beast is like that. It always wants credit. Like, Time Magazine columnist Molly Ball wrote an article called The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign that Saved the 2020 Election, where she basically takes credit on behalf of what she called a well-funded cabal of powerful people to swing the election. The B system types are nothing if not prideful, and they want everybody to know it when they think they've won. And that's what the Pharisees just did. And now they're worried that the disciples are going to steal the body and tell everyone else he rose. So they want a guard. And Pilate says something really telling, I think. He's like, go ahead and post your watch. Make it as sure as you can. And I think he's saying, go ahead and do your best to keep him in that tomb, because number one, you won't be able to. And B, it'll be just that much more amazing when he shows up in a couple days. He's saying it's a fool's errand. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. And that's where we stopped.
1: Jesus has defeated the God of this world. The spirit world knows this better than we do. They saw it, but we walk in that knowledge by faith in Jesus.
0: And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 34, 1 through 10. And that's a Psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. And what that refers to is when David was on the run from Saul and fled to Gath and put himself under the protection of Achish or Abimelech, it's the same dude, He's the king of Gath, but he got worried that Achish would turn him over to Saul. So he pretended to act crazy, says he scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard, thinking Achish would either pity him or think he was no threat. But either way, Achish didn't want him around and ran him off. But we'll get to all that. This is another David praise Psalm saying stuff like my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And he says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles.
1: Amen. Boasting in God makes the humble glad, not the proud. The proud prefers to boast in the flesh.
0: And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 9, 7, and 8, which says, He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. In other words, Never argue with a fool or you'll both look stupid and he'll beat you with home field advantage. (laughs) Give your advice to somebody smart enough to listen to it.
1: Yeah, this is wisdom for our interaction with others. Redeem the time because the day is evil. Maybe look for those that God has placed in our path to help by reproof or rebuke.
0: But that's the end of our review of Yesterday's Study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for February 14th is Exodus 37.1-38.31 And Bezaliel made the Ark of wood. two cubits and a half was the length of it, and a cubit and a half the breadth of it, and a cubit and a half the height of it. And he overlaid it with pure gold, within and without, and made a crown of gold to it round about. And he cast for it four rings of gold, to be set by the four corners of it, even two rings upon the one side of it, and two rings upon the other side of it. And he made staves of shittim wood, and overlaid them with pure gold. And he put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark to bear the ark. And he made the mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half was the length thereof, and one cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And he made two cherubims of gold, beaten out of one piece made he them, on the two ends of the mercy seat. One cherub on the end on this side, and another cherub on the other end on that side. Out of the mercy seat made he the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims spread out their wings on high, and covered with their wings over the mercy seat, with their faces one to another, even to the mercy seatward were the faces of the cherubims. And he made the table of Shittim wood, two cubits was the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And he overlaid it with pure gold, and made thereunto a crown of gold round about. Also he made thereunto a border of an handbreadth round about, And he made a crown of gold for the border thereof round about. And he cast for it four rings of gold, and put the rings upon the four corners that were in the four feet thereof. Over against the border were the rings, the places for the staves to bear the table. And he made the staves of wood, and overlaid them with gold to bear the table. And he made the vessels which were upon the table, his dishes, and his spoons, and his bowls, and his covers to cover withal, of pure gold. And he made the candlestick of pure gold, of beaten work made he the candlestick, his shaft and his branch, his bowls, his knops, and his flowers, were of the same. And six branches going out of the sides thereof, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side thereof, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side thereof. Three bowls made after the fashion of almonds in one branch, a knob and a flower, and three bowls made like almonds in another branch, a knob and a flower. So throughout the six branches going out of the candlestick. And in the candlestick were four bowls made like almonds, his knops and his flowers, and a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, according to the six branches going out of it. Their knops and their branches were of the same. All of it was one beaten work of pure gold. And he made his seven lamps and his snuffers and his snuff dishes of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold made he it, and all the vessels thereof. And he made the incense altar of wood. The length of it was a cubit, and the breadth of it a cubit. It was four square, and two cubits was the height of it. The horns thereof were of the same, and he overlaid it with pure gold, both the top of it and the sides thereof round about, and the horns of it. Also he made unto it a crown of gold round about, and he made two rings of gold for it under the crown thereof, by the two corners of it, upon the two sides thereof, to be places for the staves to bear it withal. And he made the staves of shittim wood, and overlaid them with gold. And he made the holy anointing oil, and the pure incense of sweet spices, according to the work of the apothecary. Chapter 38. And he made the altar of burnt offering of Shittim wood. Five cubits was the length thereof, and five cubits the breadth thereof. It was four square, and three cubits the height thereof. And he made the horns thereof on the four corners of it. The horns thereof were of the same. And he overlaid it with brass. And he made all the vessels of the altar, the pots, and the shovels, and the basins, and the flesh hooks, and the fire pans, all the vessels thereof made he of brass, and he made for the altar a brazen grate of network under the compass thereof, beneath unto the midst of it. And he cast four rings for the four ends of the grate of brass to be places for the staves. And he made the staves of shittim wood, and overlaid them with brass. And he put the staves into the rings on the sides of the altar to bear it withal. He made the altar hollow with boards, and he made the laver of brass and the foot of it of brass of the looking-glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he made the court. On the south side southward, the hangings of the court were of fine twine linen, and hundred cubits. Their pillars were twenty, and their brazen sockets twenty. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets were of silver. And for the north side, the hangings were in hundred cubits. Their pillars were twenty, and their sockets of brass twenty. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the west side were hangings of 50 cubits, their pillars 10, and their sockets 10, the hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the east side eastward 50 cubits. The hangings of the one side of the gate were 15 cubits, their pillars 3, and their sockets 3. And for the other side of the court gate, on this hand and that hand, were hangings of 15 cubits, their pillars 3, and their sockets 3. All the hangings of the court round about were of fine twine linen. And the sockets for the pillars were of brass, the hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver, and the overlaying of their chapiters of silver. And all the pillars of the court were filleted with silver, and the hanging for the gate of the court was needlework, of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen, and twenty cubits was the length, and the height and the breadth was five cubits, answerable to the hangings of the court. And their pillars were four, and their sockets of brass four, their hooks of silver and the overlaying of their chapters and their fillets of silver. And all the pens of the tabernacle and of the court round about were of brass. This is the sum of the tabernacle, even the tabernacle of testimony, as it was counted according to the commandment of Moses, for the service of the Levites by the hand of Ithamar, son to Aaron the priest. And Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord commanded Moses. And with him was a Holyab, son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, an engraver, and a cunning workman and an embroiderer in blue and in purple, and in scarlet and fine linen. All the gold that was occupied for the work and all the work of the holy place, even the gold of the offering, was twenty and nine talents, and seven hundred and thirty shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. And the silver of them that were numbered of the congregation was an hundred talents, and a thousand seven hundred and and fifteen shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary, a becca for every man, that is, half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary, for every one that went to be numbered, from twenty years old and upward, for six hundred thousand and three thousand and five hundred and fifty men. And of the hundred talents of silver were cast the sockets of the sanctuary, and the sockets of the veil, and hundred sockets of the hundred talents, a talent for a socket. And of the thousand seven hundred seventy and five shekels, he made hooks for the pillars, and overlaid their chapiters and filleted them. And the brass of the offering was seventy talents, and two thousand and four hundred shekels. And therewith he made the sockets to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the brazen altar, and the brazen grate for it, and all the vessels of the altar, and the sockets of the court round about, and the sockets of the court gate, and all the pens of the tabernacle, and all the pens of the court round about. And our reading in the New Testament for the 14th is Matthew 28, 1-20. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake, and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come and see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly, and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet, and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city, and shewed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders, and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night, and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money, and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And our reading in Psalms, February 14th, is Psalm 34, 11-22. Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, and do no good. Seek peace, and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeem the soul of his servants. And none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. And our reading in Proverbs for February 14th is Proverbs 9, 9 and 10. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And that will do it for the 14th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is about Galatians four, four and five, which says, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So hit the 30 second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little bit on the reasons God has for what he does. Cause prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, the greatest example of your timing everything for our sake was the coming of your Son, because he came at the fullness of time, meaning he came at the exact time predicted by many prophecies. Your gift of redemption and atonement had to be planned precisely to fulfill the law and the prophets, so we would recognize your work. And those of us who do are grateful that you did this, Father, so that we might be redeemed and adopted and become your children. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, that's all the Bible Y'allin I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, what I really need is for y'all to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squaw and all our friends and family and for each other. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleY'allPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. That is from noon to 12 o'clock. That's what it's supposed to say.
1: From noon to 12 o'clock?
0: Because the Jews divided their day in the 12 hours, beginning the count at sunrise. So from noon to 3. I said noon to 12 o'clock, didn't I? So I'll start that whole thing over again. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was given.